I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. I am Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Rogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Holistic OBGYN Podcast, everybody. I'm Nathan Riley, MD, fellow of ACOG. I'm the OBGYN, the host with the most. <laughs> and I welcome you back to my show. It has just cusped into November. If you're listening to this episode, it means my mother's birthday is past. Happy birthday, mom. It's the 2nd of November. And Emily is a really special guest. She works in the spiritual space. And as you know, my approach to conception, birth, etc., death. There's a physical, there's a mental, there's emotional, and there's a spiritual. But how do we talk about the spiritual? It's so abstract. It's so vague. Well, Emily has a direct connection with spirit. And from a young age, she'll tell you her story. She learned that she has this like gift to speak to the spirit world, to connect directly to it, which you know, I imagine would be very, very frustrating <laughs> growing up. And not knowing where is this information coming from. And perhaps you hear it as voices. Perhaps you see it as images. Who knows? Maybe it's in dreams. But Emily can do it. And she does it very, very well. She's not yet a mother of her own. Which I really can't blame her if she's been connecting with the spirits of these babies for so many years. But she does help a lot of women conceive and partners conceive through her connection to spirit. So she goes by Emily the Medium on Instagram. And as soon as my friend Peyton connected us, I knew like, oh my gosh, this is a person who can really start to put some language to something that is otherwise somewhat abstract. And perhaps the language that we used to speak about this can somewhat seem nebulous. But Emily has this concrete way of approaching this, of talking through some of these things. I consider her a great attribute to my practice, especially for couples that have really struggled along their fertility journey. So you're going to love to hear from Emily. Of course, we can't do this podcast without the help of some very, very special sponsoring companies. The first is Fullwell Fertility. Fullwell, if you look at the back of their bottle of prenatal vitamins and compare it to any other prenatal vitamin you find in the market, you go to your fanciest grocery store, you're going to spend 100 bucks a month on this vitamin. I challenge you to take that, open up fullwellfertility.com, look at the ingredients list on their website, and you're going to see that this is a product that is in a category of its own. It's in a class of its own. It's like comparing an orange to a rotten banana. You want that juicy, delicious orange, and you're going to get that from Full Well Fertility. The reason that their products are getting such rave reviews across the board is because Ayla Barmer, who's now become a friend of mine, she's a registered nutritionist. She's the mastermind behind the formula, but also oversees the entire evolution and manufacturing of the products, which is why you know you're getting the highest quality control. There's not going to be added ingredients. There's not going to be junky food dyes. There's not going to be extra sugars. And most importantly, you're actually getting a nutritional supplement in your diet versus a junky gummy bear, which has no nutrition that you're just throwing your money away at. As I always say, it's not enough to take a multivitamin. You have to be laying down the framework, the diet, movement patterns, healthy sleep patterns, healthy mindset, breathing, hydration, etc. Once you do that, maybe you add some extra whole foods, 
like shellfish, like organ meats, etc. Your insurance policy comes with a vitamin. Why waste your money on any vitamin out there? When you can go to fullwellfertility.com, use code BELOVED10, you can try the best prenatal vitamin on the market. It's the only one I recommend to anybody, of course, as an insurance policy to a, an already very healthy lifestyle. Fullwell Fertility also makes a, an amazing, astoundingly, let's say responsibly packaged fish oil. You don't want to get fish oil that's been sitting on a pallet in the sun at Costco for the last six months. You want to get fish oil that's fresh, it's delivered right to your door, you pop it in the fridge, and now you're going to be maximizing the omega-3s you're giving to your babies beautiful developing brain. They also have a nourish nerves tonic, which will help to balance out your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. And if you're on this fertility journey, which might be the reason you're listening to this episode, you can also check out their men's virility vitamin, which will provide the man in your life, all of the nutrients to make as many healthy, strong swimming sperm as possible in order to optimize the uh, fertility path for you. This show is also brought to you by Organifi. Organifi makes a wide variety of, of, of just beautifully made products. I know the owner, Drew, he puts his heart and soul into this stuff. And I have kind of leaned into some of their hot drinks, like their gold latte, which has it's rich in turmeric and functional mushrooms, etc. Well, they've put a new spin on their gold latte. For this season alone, you can get their pumpkin spice, their gold pumpkin spice, which works the same way. The way I do it is I put a scoop of this into a big mug with some heavy, whole fat, organic coconut milk. I blend them together with some hot water and pow, you've got your perfect pre-bed resting relaxation tonic. The reason I love recommending Organifi is because even from a very early age, I was looking at the back of packages. I even remember getting little creamers for coffee or for tea. I used to drink a lot of tea when I was in like high school and college. And I remember looking at these little creamers and realizing some of them said they don't need to be refrigerated. I became obsessed with this, reading labels and trying to figure out where the hell is food coming from anymore. And, you know, since we're talking about creamers, you look at those little creamer packets and it's like, does not need refrigerated. What product on earth that comes from an animal doesn't need to be refrigerated without going bad? And that's because it's not real food. It's been Frankensteined on you and you've been duped. When I find companies like Organifi and I start looking at their product list, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is actually made by somebody who thought about food like this from a very early age. And their entire product line, there's not an exception. It's all USDA organic. It's all gluten-free. It's all glyphosate residue-free. Glyphosate's what's found in Roundup. It's sprayed on all of our crops to kill specific weeds in order to maximize yields of plants that we've decided are important. But it also then goes into our intestines and just fucks everything up. So you don't want that in your food. All of Organifi's products are non-GMO, and they only include the types of ingredients that you want to be eating. The pumpkin spice gold has turmeric, which is an ancient restorative root. It contains curcumin, which you've heard you know, through the lens of Ayurveda and a lot of Indian recipes and whatnot. It supports your immune system. It supports that muscle soreness that you get and the recovery you need after you do a really, really hard workout. Lemon bulb, reishi mushrooms. I mean, the list goes on and on, but the difference between this and the regular gold latte is that they've added allspice, clove, nutmeg. It is like pumpkin pie melted into a bowl, and then you get to drink it and then lean into sleep. Let that pumpkin spice latte just tuck you in at night. If you want to try Organifi's products, go to Organifi.com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on anything there. I also recommend the gold juice, the red juice. I mean, they've got unlimited number of things to make your life easier and better and to remain on the healthy path. 
This show is also brought to you by BirthFit. BirthFit is a brand new sponsor to the show. I'm so stoked to have them. They provide an online pregnancy and postpartum specific lifestyle program. The owner has become a good friend of mine, Lindsay Kentu. She's a doctor as well, and she knows her stuff. She's done her homework, and that's why BirthFit provides you with this comprehensive prenatal training program. Sometimes it's not enough to just move your body. If that's what you can do, then let's do that. If you're looking for a little bit more specialized coaching, you've got companies like BirthFit out there. They're on a mission to get women moving and training in a way that supports whatever season or cycle you're in. That means before pregnancy, during pregnancy, after pregnancy, anywhere into menopause, etc. They give you some support through general strength and conditioning to hone in the specifics of an adequately functioning nervous system, that balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic. They're going to provide you with some foundations in human movement, some core and pelvic floor basics. This is as comprehensive as it gets. And it gets better than that. They also have this online community where you're not just going to your personal trainer or to the gym and learning how to do these things. They also have an online community called the B community, B exclamation point community. This is where fitness education and connection meet. You can get access to this community for a very, very reasonable rate, 25 bucks a month. And on this monthly membership basis, you're going to meet other women, other people who are trying to figure things out from the movement perspective, educating themselves, educating one another. This is really where it's at. If you value community, if this sort of level of accountability and learning for yourself from other people who are on this journey sounds good to you, you can actually try this out for a month free. Use code BELOVED at birthfit.com and you're going to get access to the B community for one month free. And then you can pay thereafter. You're not going to want to leave. It's such an incredible program that Lindsay has put together here. So go to birthfit.com, use code BELOVED. You'll get your first month free at the B community. All right, I think I've chatted you up enough. I am so excited to introduce my friend Emily Green. She goes by Emily the Medium on Instagram. And I think the interview will speak for itself. Let's get right into it. Here's my friend, my conversation with the one and only Emily Green. Emily, you live in Toronto. Yes, I do. Just outside Toronto. What's it like? It's funny because I kind of consider myself like when I was younger, I was always like obsessed with being American and I didn't yeah. relate to being Canadian at all. <laughs> and now... USA. USA. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I kind of consider myself a little bit of both. I have lots of friends in America and, and here as well too, but... It's interesting. You know, we've had an interesting couple of years, but we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I have so many clients who are Canadian who are like desperate to find somebody outside of the system. And a big part of it is like, they don't feel like they have the autonomy to make decisions for themselves anymore. Yeah. And as you and I both know in our work, like there's very little in our control, you know, especially around pregnancy and conception and this and that. And with increasing control, I feel like people are peeling back and kind of touching in a little bit more with intuition and that serves, I think, people in a great way. But if you're in a place like the United States or Canada, which is, you know, it's like Canada was out competing us for how we can yeah. implement our legal system, so to speak. <laughs> you guys won. We'll give you that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it has really put people into a space of tapping in and really looking inward, which I think is very much in service to sort of your work, I suppose. Not in service to, but you know what I mean, in alignment with. So. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And just one point on that, what I've noticed, just I'm a observer. I love to observe how things are happening. And I love looking at the macro and something I've noticed for just in general over the last few years with Canadian people is we've really had to have this kind of 
uprising where we started to use our voices and actually said, hey, that's not okay. And hey, you need to stop doing that to me or whatever else. Sure. Because we're just sort of collectively known as being nice and we're cool with everything and it's all no problem and it's all good. And so I actually noticed over the last few years that it was really beautiful. There's a lot of people who are like, that's actually not okay. And I'm actually not feeling nice right now about this, you know? So. Yeah, totally. Well, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things <laughs> related to kind of tapping in, like truly tapping into our soul's journey here. Why don't you tell everybody briefly, Emily, I don't think many people are going to need too much of an introduction, but like I was trying to tell my wife, I was like, oh, I'm interviewing this amazing woman today. And she was reading your bio in the car. As I said, before we started recording, we were taking the girls back from the pool and I was getting ready. And I was like, gosh, I don't know her very well, but I kind of feel like I know her. Yeah. And I told my wife your name and she was like, oh my gosh. You know, she used words like psychic and medium and clairvoyant and all these things. And I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about, she was like really, really intrigued. So how do you, like, what do you tell people about what you do and who you are? I always take every opportunity to answer this question and enjoy answering this question because, I mean, it's truly like if you had told me that I would be describing myself with these terms, you know, when I was like a teenager, I would have just been like, you are off your rocker. Okay. Okay, yeah, Nat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mom. <laughs> exactly. So just a little backstory on my experience. So as a child, I was very sensitive. I was a very, very, very sensitive child. I was always seeing all kinds of things in my rooms at night. I always have like a time travel portal in my closet. So it went beyond just the uh, imaginary friend. Oh, like, yes. This was way beyond the normal childhood imagination. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Like I have memories of walking into my third grade classroom and knowing that my third grade teacher had just finalized a divorce the following evening. And I kind of went up to her and was like, I'm so sorry about what happened. And she was like, what are you talking about? How did you know that? Like that kind of thing, just like little things. And I just thought, I was like, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that she's upset and that she just had an end to her marriage. Like I didn't see how other people couldn't see that or understand that. It was kind of weird to me. Was it weird to the adults in your life? Too? Oh yeah. They were like, you are not <laughs> supposed to know these things or say these things to people around you. And so of course I started to repress it and kind of just keep these things to myself, which kind of led to me having a very normal adolescent life and just kind of repressing all of my feelings. And I'm sure all of the people that I went to school with, college, high school, university, I'm not in contact with most of them anymore. I'm sure they're just like, who is that? Like, what is she up to? Yeah. Because that just wasn't the person they knew me as because I was so repressed that I had so repressed that part of myself. So I had kind of what I call my reawakening when I was 18, graduating high school. And I had this dream that basically showed me a couple of different paths that I could take moving forward. I could go this path, which is the path that I thought I was going to take going to college and university, which I did end up doing anyway. Or, you know, you can go this path and you can explore these abilities and you can allow yourself to have this reawakening and start to serve people and help people and all this kind of stuff. And so anyway, I took a couple detours and found my way back eventually to these abilities. What did you study in college? I'm just curious. Sorry to interrupt. I was in the optometric field. So I was an optician, a registered optician. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. I worked with eyes. They were my first love. That kind of makes me think of clairvoyance in a way. Yeah. You know, it's certainly the eyes being the windows to the soul. I mean, there's all this fun little platitudes that serve us, but I always wonder, like when a person is thoughtful at 18, 
You never know what you want to be when you grow up. Nobody knows. Nobody once knows they really want to be a doctor because they have no idea what that means, but they want to help people. And I would always imagine somebody who has these sort of psychic abilities as a young kid might go into psychology because we naturally think it's a manifestation of the brain. I got to figure this out. But you went in a totally different direction, which I think is so interesting. I went that science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was also very interested in psychology too. So you've got a point there. And what's interesting just as, as to bounce off of that is working with patients is, you know, I was usually very close to them. Like we were sitting close together. I was literally looking deeply into their eyes in many instances. And very often I would get intuitive information for my patients and, you know, try to discreetly kind of pass it on to them. And so it was an interesting time. I mean, I certainly learned By the way, a lot. you're pregnant. And uh, number one yes. or number two? No. <laughs> <laughs> and you need glasses, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. If you're going to take care of this baby, actually, you're going to need glasses. Exactly. Like, oh my gosh, exactly. No idea. <laughs> and ironically, too, I wear contact lenses, but I also have like really not great physical vision. And I've asked about that before, too, in meditation. And it's basically like, well, we kind of, and I have had this from a very young age. and. It was basically like, well, we had to kind of make you trust this sort of third eye vision before you learn to kind of rely or oh my gosh, lean on your physical vision. Yeah, and, and historically, how many oracles and whatnot have we seen with bandages over their eyes blind. or they're totally blind altogether and they're just seeing with their third eye, which I think is a beautiful. And also, I want to give a caveat. Even though I said psychology makes sense, I'm thinking from my 18-year-old self before I really understood what it means to be alive and where we are in this greater cosmos. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it makes sense to me that even intuitively you were like, oh, this isn't something for the mind. There's something about the eyes that are important here. So that's beautiful. Exactly. This is so exciting. Yeah. So basically then, so I worked in the field for a few years and during that time I was also working with, or I had found my way to basically my first mentor, my first teacher. And the first time I sat with my teacher she looked at me and she said, and I already knew this, but it was really cool to have someone recognize it. She said, you had all these abilities as a child, you put them away for X amount of years, and now it's time for you to start using them again, and I'm going to teach you how. And I loved it because she wasn't like, do you want to be taught by me? And she was like, you are going to be taught by me, and we are going to now do this you're together. you're my student. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Welcome. <laughs> okay, sure, I accept this assignment. And so from there, she really just taught me how to work with this raw kind of experience that I had had throughout my life so far and channel it in a way that I could use it to help people. What was that woman's name? Her name was Stephanie. Stephanie. Okay. Stephanie. Wow. Yeah. Her name was Stephanie. Interesting. Yeah. And now you also mentor people in this way. Is that right? Yeah, that's wow. right. That's right. Okay. Which is amazing. Full circle. <laughs> And so she took me on this path and where I started in my work, and I still have this kind of name attached to my work, I have done different things and I do different things now alongside this as well, was mediumship. And so, you know, as we're going to parlay into likely another part of this conversation, but I always just, and I know this is a big part of your work too, Nathan, of just like birth and death and the intersections between those two things where I kind of started by working with souls who were in physical bodies and working to kind of facilitate communication between those souls who are no longer in physical bodies to people who love them and miss them here on planet earth. And, you know, now part of a big focus of my work is working with souls who are incoming to bodies on planet yeah. earth. So I kind of made this interesting 
roundabout exploration of death and after-death communication and then pre-conception and birth communication. So that's sort of how I landed here. Yeah. Well, you sent me a little excerpt from, I guess it's a book that's in the works. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I can't wait to read that book. In the excerpt, you talk about a person coming to you. She was a client who came to you. Were you already like working as a medium or what type of therapy were you offering people before you really kind of stumbled into this space of calling in spirit babies, which we're going to talk quite a bit about today? Yes. So you're right. I was already working as a medium. I hadn't discovered that part of my work yet. And so in that little piece of the book that I sent you, that was kind of like the first couple of people that I discovered this with, because this was just not at all on my radar. I was like, I'm a medium. I'm working with people who are past. That's what I do. That's all that I do. And also kind of in conjunction with that working just with sort of general support on people's life path of just like helping them sort out different things and doing some healing, energy healing work as well. But through that was how I discovered this spirit baby work. Yeah. And I'm happy to tell the story too. Let's tell the story of the client, you know, you use sort of a fictional name just (laughs) for anonymity's sake, but tell about your first experience with Amy. Okay. I had to read that through a couple of times to really try to capture the essence of your work, but I think it'd be best to just hear it. Sure. Hear yeah. it again. Absolutely. I love to tell these stories. I think they also really give good context to the mechanics of how this is all working. So, mm. in this first experience, or one of these first experiences, as I started to discover the spirit baby work, I was working with a client who I will call Amy. And Amy was coming to me just sort of in general looking for support in her life. She was not giving much away, which I love. She was just kind of like, I'm here, I'm available. I'm just, you know, looking to see what's available for me, basically. And so I do what I call tuning in at the beginning of every session, which is just my chance to really create an attunement to the person that I'm working with's energy and their energy field, as well as whoever or whatever wants to make themselves available in the session. And when I tuned in for her, there was this little girl who appeared. And I see psychically very clairvoyantly, so that's kind of in my mind's eye. It's also kind of just like a full body feeling of like, there's a little girl here. And so I remember presencing that and bringing that to her and saying, you know, thinking with my mediumship mind, like, oh, this is a little girl that has once been connected to Amy and hopefully she knows who I'm talking about. And so brought it to her and she was like, Basically, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, that doesn't seem right because this little girl is so alive and she was like waving at me and she was so animated and so real and so 3D in so many ways. So I'm like, okay, I have to try and figure this out because the way that I'm usually approaching a session is not working. What is happening here? So I went and asked this energy, this energy of this little girl that was presenting. And I said, who are you? Like, why are you here? And she said, well, I'm Amy's daughter. And I told Amy, I said, she's saying she's your daughter. Like, is this your daughter? Don't shoot the messenger, Amy. (laughs) Just telling you what's coming through. (laughs) I know. And she kind of looked at me and she took a minute and she was like, the only thing I can think about is I had, and previously I forgot this detail. I was like, this little girl looks to be around three years old. She was presenting around three years old. And she said, the only thing I can think about is I had a miscarriage about three years ago. And I always felt that the energy that was there was a girl. And she said, could that be it? 
And I said, I don't know, let me ask. And so the little girl said, yeah, that's me, you know, like waving and smiling and kind of happy that we got there and that we made the recognition of her. And so from there, once we had figured out, okay, this is a soul. This is a soul who has been here previously in a previous pregnancy and is no longer here anymore, but she's looking to communicate. So then I started to just get curious of like, what other details could we get here? So I said, tell me, I asked the little girl, I said, tell me about your experience from your side of things. So she proceeded to bring forward a lot of really interesting detail that I never thought could be possible about Amy's pregnancy how the pregnancy came to an end, why it came to an end, and then also just some details about their conception journey moving forward. Because this little girl told me, well, they're still actively trying to conceive. And that was the main, she didn't speak, but that was really what she was looking to do and get into. And so, of course, this little girl came as a response to that sort of unspoken intention. So that was my first experience with that. And it like kind of blew my mind. I had to really, as I say in this little piece of the book, I had to really take some time after that one and just go, wow, like that was amazing. Mm, and mm, I'm still mm. in contact like with the integration Amy. process. Yeah. yeah. It was a huge integration process because for whatever reason, that just had never occurred to me as being possible before that there yeah. could be that kind of communication. So, yeah. A couple of things came up for me, a couple of terms that I wanted to take out of that, that I've heard myself. And when I was a resident, of course, everybody knows I'm an OBGYN and you're in this very kind of regimented, very extreme acute care setting yeah. as an OBGYN in the hospital. And then in the clinical setting, you're helping people with miscarriages or helping to help them kind of integrate the birth experience. And a lot of the similar words come up, you know, the word animate, I thought was really intriguing when you use that word. And then also, I think first and foremost, that this Amy, this person who's coming to you for some guidance, that they felt a compulsion towards the energy of a little girl. Like that's actually the crux of everything that you do is there's this essence of this little girl. So I want people to, you know, if you're very confronted by this, women tell me these things and men, actually, their partners as well. I feel the energy of this baby is trying to come mm. through. Yes. A lot of doctors hear this as well, and we kind of brush it off as woo-woo, but when you hear it so often, it's not like the crazy lady over there thinks she felt the spirit of the baby. It's <laughs> many women, most women, yes, and many of their partners. I wanted to bring up two short little stories. One was with an acupuncturist out in San Francisco. Her name is Edith Ubuntu Chan. She's been on my show, and she's this very powerful healer who tells all kinds of great stories in the episode I did with her. And as I've gotten to know her, she talks through the language of her son about where babies come from. And he's like, well, mama, when I was up in outer space, like it's his language in the 3D physical world. Like when I was up in outer space, we were waiting for you and Papa to be ready, you know, for me. We were watching and you were my mama and dada and I was waiting for the time to come in. This is a little kid who's like six was telling her this. He didn't see some sci-fi show on HBO or whatever. This is just the language, putting the words that he's been taught in English to the experience of waiting for the time to come into the womb. The other thing I wanted to share is that coming from a very strict reductionist medical scientific education program, which we all know so well because that's virtually every doctor out there practices through that lens, where we separate the physical from the mental, emotional, spiritual, and all these other energetic bodies. I came into our own pregnancies not skeptical because I had read 
what was the name of that book? Uh, Spirit, Spirit Babies, Babies by yeah. uh, Walter McKishen. Walter McKishen. Yes, yes. thank you. <laughs> I read that back in residency or maybe in fellowship when I was actually studying end of life because it was like, there's something to this. All these women are saying these things. And then I'm seeing kind of the reflection of that in death. Mm. And of course, we're going to get you know into that. But I didn't really have a direct experience with it. And if you're distracted and you haven't honed those skills or those perceptions, we all have this intuitive perceptive ability, but we've been told to brush it aside. And I think it started off with the imaginary friends, you know, yes. like those things aren't real. The trees aren't talking to you. There's just this, go play with your blocks, play with your blocks in this way. Mm-hmm. Don't get out of the lines, you know? <laughs> and, and so when we were pregnant with our second, we took a mushroom journey. Mm. And I know everybody out there is like aghast. Oh, you took mushrooms in pregnancy. <laughs> yes, I took mushrooms in pregnancy. And so did my wife, who was actually the pregnant one. And I love it. If you have any issues with that, please reach out to me. But we did it. And we were in a tree house in Red River Gorge. And about an hour in, you know, I don't know if you've ever experimented with psychedelics. I have. You kind of live in the psychedelic world in, in some regard. But yes. while I was, you know, going deep into ceremony, I had my hand on my wife's belly. And again, she was like maybe six, seven months pregnant. And normally what comes to me is a vision. There's a figure. And it's not a humanoid figure. It's more of a, like a serpent, you know, which is not uncommon in, you know, ayahuasca ceremony. It went up, but this is mushrooms. And I've always had a deep connection with these little mushrooms. And these were homegrown. I'd sung to them and I'd raised them myself. And they had always served me in a really beautiful way. And this figure, though, appeared, and I figured, oh, it's that serpent that always comes to me. It's like a hooded cobra. But it wasn't that. It was this other something, this essence of something else. It was the essence of a little girl. So I asked, who are you? I said, are you my daughter? When I say I asked, it was seeing this through the third eye. This was not an actual physical manifestation. It was not a hallucination. It was me experiencing the essence of a little girl. She said, yeah, hi, Dad. And she waved to me. Yeah. And it wasn't a little arm. It was the essence of a wave. And I said, how are you doing in there? Because I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done mushrooms. I'm still stuck in that reductive mindset. She's like, I'm fine. Mom's having a hard time now. And I look up and my wife is just bawling. So I was like, whoa, okay. And as I'm trying to think about like, what do you ask your <laughs> the spirit of your daughter who's gestating inside your wife? Yes. You know, you kind of lose track because you're not really there. You're somewhere else. And so later, the vision came back during a song change. We were playing in East Forest, the Spores album, if anybody's curious. And this figure reemerged. And there was this twirling, dancing figure. And there were these three larger figures, almost like, dare I say, like witches over a cauldron. And this little girl, the words I used, and this is the reason I'm bringing the story up, is that she was being animated. Yes by these other spirits as she was gestating inside of my wife. And I'm getting chills just thinking about it because it was a very real experience. And I have communicated thereafter. I was able to communicate with her, almost like text messaging in my head with her. It was very strange. But then later, it was the same essence of my daughter, Everly, who was born at home, like I said, 20 feet away, was the essence, was the same essence I'd experienced in that journey. Only I had to use psychedelics. Whereas you seem to be able to tap into this. So I wanted to share those stories with you, not to like show off how in tune I am with your work, but to also emphasize that not, I think a lot of people realize that they can do this without those psychedelic medicines. But I also wanted to ask in your working with Amy or maybe in clients since then, do you use anything in order to, 
help to maybe recenter this clairvoyance or clairaudience or, or however you describe it? Yeah, such a great question and such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing with me because I'm selfishly always looking for stories because I find that it's, and just as you illustrated that story that you had and that experience that you had with your daughter's energy, I find that that is so helpful to somebody who's listening out there and they're just like, wow, that's possible. That is possible, whether through different forms of you know assisted communication or what have you. And I just love how well you illustrated the, what I experience every day, which is the animation and the true, yeah. like just how viscerally alive these energies are before they're actually physical and how they start to merge in with the family before they're physical and how they start to learn how a family is working and how they can support a family or support their parents or connect or communicate with their parents before they're physical. It's so incredible. It blows my mind every day. Yeah. Yeah. But to answer your question, you know, I find that sometimes I kind of define three different types of preconception or you kind of had in utero communication, what I would call an in utero communication experience with your daughter. And I think there's different ways that that can be done. That can be kind of spontaneous where, you know, you're not really necessarily trying to have it happen. And she was kind of just giving you the experience and maybe using the magic of the mushrooms to kind of heighten and open that experience even more for you. Right, right. You know, right. and make the, the Kind of taking the veil away yeah. as opposed to adding something to, right? Exactly, right. exactly. She was kind of like, oh, there's an opportunity here for us to have a really powerful back and forth communication and I can use this imagery and I can use this and this. So I personally have gotten to the point where I can kind of switch my brain waves, so to speak, from regularly speaking and talking just as you and I are talking right now with a client into kind of as I go into the tune-in process, I can go really deeply into having very mystical kind of experiences and relays and communications with these souls. But it is helpful for me also sometimes to use different kinds of plant medicines. And I'm also a big fan of using mushrooms to kind of enhance my experience. And also just- I can't imagine what that would be like for you with your- already have a thin veil. <laughs> <laughs> it just blows the whole thing open. And wow. it kind of just shows what I find, how mushrooms support me in this work is they continue to show me that it's like more. Here's what more is possible. Here's what more you can see. Here's how deep the communication can go. Here is how beautiful you can help these parents, how much more beautifully these parents can have a communication with the souls of their children. So I use it periodically here and there just to make sure that I'm continuing to expand myself in this work and not get complacent with it. Because sometimes it can be like, oh yeah, there's a soul here and they're this and this, and they're going to be like this and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, moving on. And I have to remind myself of just how magical oh, this yeah, is. Yeah. It's so amazing. It's such a privilege. It is. Like there's an honoring to this powers that you have. Yeah. So I have to remind myself like this is pretty amazing. And so plant medicines help me do that. Thinking back to my experience with my daughter, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this. There's a friend of mine, I don't know if you know Charles Eisenstein, he's this really brilliant philosopher and a good friend of mine. His wife, Stella, is even more magical than Charles. She has a resident healing practice that she teaches people. And when I last visited them in Rhode Island, 
she had a woman who was postpartum come in and she was like, can you kind of sit in and just let me know what you think? And I said, well, yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah. And then I was kind of blown away because this woman had this trauma from an under the otherwise uncomplicated C-section, but she had some holdup about the C-section. And I don't know if Stella was necessarily able to help her. You know, she uses sort of a gentle touch. It's not Reiki. It's quite different. But after the fact, we were all sitting, me, her, Charles, and some other people were sitting in the living room together. And we were kind of conjecturing, like, is there a purpose for a C-section? Because so many people have them. And could it be, and this was actually Stella's idea, I want to give her credit, but she had said, could it be that the embodiment of those energetic bodies into the physical occurs through even the lens of Stan Groff's work in the perinatal matrices, as the baby's going through this very stressful experience, that's where the energetic bodies are embodied into the physical. And if a baby comes through the C-section, they don't go through that experience, sort of like a butterfly coming out of a, what is it called, a chrysalis or whatever? Yes, precisely. So when those babies come through the abdomen, they don't get embodied immediately. Eventually they do, but they actually remain tethered to the astral. And so they bring this angelic healing property or essence to the healthcare, the delivery team, so to speak, and the community of people around them. Are they angels coming through? And they have to come through in that direction because otherwise they wouldn't remain as tethered to the spiritual realm. Yes. What are your thoughts? When does a person become embodied with these energetic properties? In the uterus? Is it after birth? Like, what's your gut tell you? So good. I love this. I'd be happy to add my two cents to your musings. So something that just occurred to me, and I'm going to share this because I thought this was really neat and I've never thought of this before. Often when I have seen in my kind of dream time experiences and just in different visions that I've had, you know what they say about sort of the, I guess this, I shouldn't say this is the norm for every soul that's leaving the planet or even coming to the planet, but there really is, you know, the kind of cliche, you know, the tunnel of light and there's, you know, you walk towards the light, like this kind of whole thing. In a sense that actually does exist, there really is this kind of portal, this wormhole that helps assist a soul leaving the planet into the next kind of, or into the dimension that they're I call it the earth school. Yes, (laughs) yes, exactly. And that in some way, as a baby is coming through the birth canal, that that birth canal almost kind of mirrors that portal and that tunnel. Mm -hmm. It's a tunnel Mm -hmm. of transition from one form into the next. And so... I've never thought of it or I've never received information on that before, but it makes complete sense to me that as they are kind of coming through this birth canal, that they are being completely embodied into their physical experience and getting ready to enter the world in that way. And that it likely would be different in a C-section experience and it may take longer for a soul who transitioned into the world in that way to kind of anchor into their physical body and their physical experience maybe more than a child who was delivered vaginally. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, if that is true, and then a lot of people are like, well, then the soul doesn't come into the body until after birth. And then people get into like abortion conversation. Mm. It's like, that's not, you're missing the point here. Yes. You're getting caught in the weeds of this polarized thing that we have to live with in North America. So when I tell that story about Evia, I'm like, okay, well, even in my intuition says, okay, a part of her was there. Mm. But perhaps all of those energetic bodies weren't fully embedded until yes. she passed through the birth canal. But the essence of Evie, Everly Rosa is our daughter, was there 
And that was in that moment, and I had my hand on her belly. Or was she floating about, just hovering and looking over us? I mean, who knows? But I think about this almost every day, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why it's fun. It's like fun to talk to people like you because you actually have direct experience with this on a regular basis. So it really helps to inform my care for other people. What I will say, what I have experienced, as I agree with you, that there is often when a soul commits to an incarnation, so they're committing to a body. Well, that happens before conception, but they're saying, this is the family I'm preparing to come into. These are the circumstances. And you know, as it gets closer to conception, this is the body and this is the time. That there is that soul fragment that is essentially attached to the body. That's just small. Right. It's tiny. It's a right. fragment. Right. And the rest of the energy, the remainder of the energy stays in a different form, in a different state in the spirit form or the spirit state or whatever you want to call it. And that they continue to kind of travel and learn and do all different kinds of things. And then it really differs when sometimes, like as we've been talking about the energy and kind of the mechanics of the energetic bodies, you know, at birth, often that's happening or in the weeks following birth sometimes. But the soul often really doesn't come fully into the body until much later in the pregnancy or during birth or after birth. So, But I think there is that fragment that stays with the body, just a small piece. Yeah, right. Well, I definitely want to put the bulk of our attention on conception and calling what I say is inviting the soul of this baby, the spirit of this baby, into the womb. But while we're on the topic, if a woman out there is pregnant or maybe their partner is you know accompanying them what guidance can you give as to how to focus your third eye your soul on communicating with the soul of this baby in utero can you maybe walk us through that i mean it sounds so abstract i think for so many people sure but women i care for especially those who value sovereignty and really want to be left alone it's because they've been in commune with this baby this whole time and this is the final moment. Like we're going to do this hard work together. Yes. So maybe can you just, I don't know, that's a big question, but what do you think about that? I love it. And I really am a big advocate that I believe everyone, I don't want to say should, but I think it's really beautiful to get to have an experience of communication in utero with this beautiful child that you're carrying because it's available. It's available for everyone. And like you said, I know for a lot of people that can seem really abstract. And I was even just laughing, like you said, you know, about having like a text back and forth conversation with your daughter, like what, how does that work? But really how that works is it's telepathic, right? That you have, just as you have this umbilical cord connecting you to this baby, also have this kind of energetic telepathic cord between you and your baby. And it's kind of like a telephone that a lot of people might not know that they can use, but is always available for them to use if they so choose. That's what I usually say is that the telepathic communication between you and your baby is always available for you to be able to connect in with. And that's likely for you why it felt like text messaging, because that is sometimes what telepathic communication can feel like. It's like ping, ping, back and forth, ping, 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 ping. You nailed it. That's exactly how it felt. And that was also in ceremony, especially like I went very deep one day. It was like a 20-hour harrowing, glued to the floor kind of experience, but I was comfortably just texting with the baby, the unborn baby inside my wife's belly 1,500 miles away. It was insane. So (laughs) It's amazing. And that is true. Like That's telepathic communication too, where it's like it transcends space and time. So one of the things that I 
suggest to families who are looking to have in utero communication with their children, the children that they're carrying, is just to start practicing holding thoughts or messages and directing them kind of with your intention and your attention down towards where the baby is in your belly. That's one way. And not even to expect anything to come back necessarily right away. It's kind of getting first into the practice of how do I hold a thought, hold a message, hold something that I want to say, and then start to kind of, with my intention, start to direct that towards where I want it to go. And that's how telepathic communication works really with anyone or anything. You can do this with animals. You can do this with other people. It's getting kind of into this mind training and this mind control of, I can hold a thought, I can hold a frequency at my third eye or in my mind. I can use my attention and my will to direct that where I want it to go. That's what you're doing with the text message as well. You're picking who you want to send it to, you're typing out what you want to say, and you're sending the message off into the ether, really. And you're just trusting that, you know, it's going to get delivered somehow using, you know, cell phone signals or whatever. Yeah. And it's really the same thing with this telepathic communication. So that's one of the first things that I say is just starting to get into the practice of this. And then you can also ask them questions. And start to get into the practice of receiving a response of what does that actually feel like? And everybody's different in terms of how they receive information and how they receive, whether that's telepathic information or psychic information of any kind, intuitive information of any kind. Some people are very body focused. Some people are very visual, like you and I, where we see imagery. Some people just kind of have information kind of just pop or ping into their mind some people may actually hear their children speaking to them. So it just really depends your particular way of receiving. And so that's kind of really a fun practice that people can get into. It's just like holding the message, holding what you want to say. And this might take a bit of practice to, especially if this is kind of really different and off the wall for you of sending and receiving and seeing what you can get back. But I've had really amazing feedback as I start to give this practice and this exercise to people is like, I asked the baby, I had this one client say, okay, I asked the baby, like, what would you like to eat today? And the baby came back with basically like this very specific kind of nutrient profile that they wanted the mother to eat kind of that night at dinner that they were like looking to intake into their system as well, which I just thought was really interesting. And that's just like a small piece, but you can even use or ask bigger questions as well. Like what's important for you during our birth experience together? And how do you want to come into this world? And what kind of energy are you looking to be in the room? And this kind of thing. So it, it will probably, if this is a newer concept for people, it will probably take a little bit of practice and back and forth. And also other partners, so the partner who is not carrying the baby, they can also do this exact same way. It is helpful to have maybe some sort of physical connection or contact, maybe hands on the belly or just sort of in close proximity. You don't necessarily have to be because again, it transcends time and space, but that's also, you can do that. That person can do that the same way where you're holding a thought and you're directing it in the direction of the place that you want it to go. And then also just leaving space for the receptivity part of it as well, which can sometimes take some time to like some people kind of sometimes expect to get a response right away, which you might. And sometimes it can take them some time to kind of make sure that they have a clear pathway to get their response into your consciousness, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really sounds like it's just a matter of paying attention. Yeah. And that sounds like I'm diminishing what you do, but you were gifted with 
Do you use clairvoyance, clairaudience? Do you use all of the clairs? <laughs> I use all of them. I use all of them, but I am very predominantly clairvoyant. It's, clairvoyant. Yeah. So yeah. it comes to you as images. Is that what that means? Yes. Okay. So if you're gifted, you know, I use the word gifted, but I don't know why, because that means that somebody gave it to you and maybe source spirit, you know, grandmother, whoever gave it to you. But it was really something that as a child, perhaps you just never stopped paying attention to that. I think that that's maybe more appropriate because I think we all have this quote gift. Others just are way more in tune with it. And since I described coming from this reductive medical education program and then having to kind of, I don't know, come around to like understanding what my patients, my clients were telling me, and I hadn't ever paid attention to those things. I had to start kind of drifting into, well, how can I become better at that? And everybody thinks you meditate, you just pay attention to breathing. And yes, that is true. But even during meditation, many of us after 10 minutes are like, did I let the dog out or did I do this? And like, it, you get so easily distracted. So it might take years of practicing, focusing your attention for 10 minutes at a time. And then doors start to open. I don't know. Are you familiar with Rudolf Steiner? I am. Love him. A little funny side note about that. If anybody's ever read anything written by Rudolf Steiner or anything even transcribed from his lectures, it's almost impossible to understand what the guy's talking about. You have to <laughs> totally. reread it, reread it, reread it. So anybody who's like, I'm an expert in Steiner, you are BS in yourself and you're BS in me because I have tried to read it. And you and I are not the dullest tools in the shed. And I can read like an entire book in a weekend if I need to. This is not a book for the weekend. And there was this guy on Instagram who was like, oh, light reading, like some of my summer reading. And he was holding like Knowledge of Higher Worlds, which is <laughs> one of Steiner's only truly fully written books. And it's only like 100 pages, but it is 100 pages of the most Dense. inconceivably challenging language. Because it's like, until you get to page 50, you're never going to understand what he said on page two. I mean, it's this really challenging channeled text. Yes, channeled 100%. 100%. Yeah, I'm glad we agree on that. Because like... Genius is a relative term. This guy was a genius. And I think part of his genius was because he was able to tap into, you can call it the Akashic Records, you can call it source, whatever else. Informational fields is this new area in physics that's been neglected for years. If you can tap into that, you can ascertain anything about the universe you ever wanted to know. And he was able to do that and project it to an audience five times a day to a different group of people in a variety of different terms or disciplines. But so this guy's reading this book on Instagram and he's like, what are your favorite books for the summer? And I'm like, <laughs> bullshit, dude, you're not reading Knowledge of Higher Worlds at Venice Beach. Like maybe you are, but that's not light reading. Like that is, what did I just read? Let me go back and reread that entire chapter because I have no idea. And I'm studying anthroposophic medicine and it is so tremendously difficult because it's using a totally different part of my intuition in order to be guided in my healing practice. But the reason I brought Steiner up was he has these six exercises. What does he call it? The six spiritual exercises, something like that. And they're meant to, one by one, you add one on top of the other. They're meant to, to help you hone this attention. And while I was studying biogeometry, which I'm still a student of, I realized that, oh, I'm doing Steiner's exercises and it's making me more perceptive of the subtle energetics in my garden on myself, on other people who are experimenting with us. And you know, if you just want to Google it, I'll link it in the show description. But the first two exercises are controlling the mind and controlling will. The first is controlling mind. For two to five minutes a day, you're going to focus on one item, a paperclip, a pencil in your mind, visualize it, and hold the vision for five minutes straight. I challenge everybody to pause this and try that. It is very, very hard to do that. And the next one is controlling your will. And that would be at the same time every day you're going to do something completely arbitrary, like turn your wedding ring around on your finger. 
doing those two alone is hard and it gets deeper and deeper, but they're very simple exercises Yes, just to sort of demonstrate how simple this is, but also reflecting how it simultaneously is quite challenging to do even these simple things. But that's all that I guess there is yeah. in Attention. some ways, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. And I love that. And I also just believe like, just to touch on what you said, I think it's, it's very much a channeled text and it's very, it's one of those things that I think when I'm reading information like that, whether it's by Steiner or anyone else is I'm kind of just like, thank you just for helping me receive the tr energetic transmission from this, because my mind just has pretty much no idea what's happening here. So I'm just getting the energetic transmission from this book. You know, thank you for that. I'm just kind of yeah. skimming the words, but I love what you're saying, and I think it encapsulates something that I teach in my work a lot, because as you mentioned before, I do a lot of kind of intuitive development and psychic development and mediumship development with people as well, which some of these people are people who are looking to use these abilities or use these gifts in their work. They want to use, they want to help, they want to serve kind of very actively for people. And other people are just looking to understand, like you said, their subtle energetics, how they are receiving energy and information and how they can telepathically communicate or how they can communicate with their animals or their plants or how they can communicate with their guides, ancestors, teachers, healers, and so on. And that attention and paying attention is such a huge part of it. And you know, I have people who come to me and they say, well, Emily, I've never had a single intuitive or psychic experience in my life. Like it's just development isn't going to be possible for me. I don't know how you're going to teach me anything because it's just never happened yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I take them through this process of really essentially, like, as you said, it's just the process of learning how to pay attention to this kind of underground current of energy and information that's always available for you to tap into. You just don't know necessarily how, or there's too much other distortion in the yeah. kind of the mental field, like, you know, just thought or just you know the mind wheel kind of moving in a certain way that doesn't allow you to feel like you can really access this underground current of information and so i just teach people basically how to flip so that that underground current of energy and information that's incoming is what's taking up your attention first rather than the mind or oh i'm looking at this with my eyes or i'm hearing this with my physical ears you know, we have all these beautiful physical senses, but we have these kind of energetic senses as well, and these extrasensory senses, which actually I was reading this book by this woman, and she said that she wants to change the terminology from extrasensory to full sensory perception, which I really love that because she's basically saying like any kind of intuitive or psychic ability is not like an extra. It's not like a bonus. It's just when we get connected with, and that's we're connecting to our full sensory perception. We can see with our eyes, but we can also right. see with our third eye. We can hear with our ears, but we can also hear what is not actually being said or what is not actually, right. you know, right. so full sensory right. perception. extra sensory perceptions. Like yeah, I remember Gary Zukav's works that I read a long time ago. He was like all into these sort of extra sensory perceptive capacities that we all have. We just haven't been, again, paying attention. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. full sensory perception. And then mm -hmm. people have these amazing experiences where they're like, wow, I just did that or I just perceived that? Like, that was amazing. And then when they get it once, it's easier to start to apply it and have different experiences with it in their everyday life. So, yeah. Yeah. 
going to take a very, very quick break here. I got to tell you about an offer, a special offer from one of the show's sponsors, Bioptimizers. Remember, we can't do this show unless brands like Bioptimizers, who are fully in alignment with my values and how I practice through the lens of medicine and lifestyle, etc. We can't do this without them. So if you're in the market around Black Friday, they have a very, very special offer for you. And of course, you can always get a discount on their products if you go to magbreakthrough.com slash holisticobgwain, or if you go to Bioptimizers and use code BELOVED10, you can save on any of their nearly 100 different supplements that are all made with love and compassion, all the right ingredients. They're made with integrity. You're going to get a good product, no matter what you pick from Bioptimizers. But for a short time period at the end of the month, right around Black Friday, specifically November 1st through November 29th, you can get 25% off of anything. If you use my code BELOVED10, you normally experience 10%. But if you go to bioptimizers.com slash holisticobgwain, you're going to save 25% off of any product, anything that you'd like to try. One thing that I often talk about by optimizers with, and I haven't actually talked about this on the show, but my wife and I like to indulge sometimes. My wife is Mexican. She's an incredible cook. And she will create like a seven plate meal, big Mexican meal. Yes, with everything. Homemade pico de gallo, sometimes homemade tortillas, although we generally would like to buy those because she's cooking up a storm in the kitchen. We've got refried beans. We've got sour cream. And this isn't like white people taco night, guys. This is like multiple steps, lots of eposote. I mean, she is actually creating these dishes. We're not just pouring stuff out of jars and heating it up. She'll sometimes make flautas, which is basically rolled up chicken or pork or potato into a flour tortilla and then fried. So you've got this giant pile of food. And maybe we even finished with flan. Maybe we're like really indulging that night. We don't want to have you know the indigestion and the gut issues that come with that when we lay down at night. So we'll take two capsules of Bioptimizers Masszymes, two capsules of their blood sugar breakthrough. It prevents that spike and then and then precipitous drop in our serum blood sugars, which doesn't make you feel good when that happens. The Masszymes helps to digest and absorb the nutrients um, that we'd otherwise be missing. These are two of the products of the many Bioptimizers products that we keep right on our shelf, right in our kitchen, because we know when we want to have one of these indulgent meals, we don't want to suffer too many consequences. It certainly doesn't feel great to have four pounds of fried taquitos in your uh, in your belly, but why suffer any more than we have to? If you want to try these products out, go to bioptimizers.com slash holistic OBGYN. You can always save 10% using code BELOVED10, but if you go During the end of the month of November, from the 21st through the 29th, you'll be able to save 25% on anything. So this is a great time to try these products out. I can't recommend these guys enough, but I do realize that you're here to hear more from Emily Green. So let's get back to that conversation now. All right, Emily, I'd love to spend the rest of our conversation on conscious conception. So when you hear the term conscious conception... What comes to mind to you? And is there a different vernaculum that you've adopted as you've been working with spirit babies? Yeah, I love this. And I've got this terminology for this events that I do called super conscious conception. And, you know, it's kind of a play on words of like the super conscious and conscious conception. Conscious conception is a hugely important topic to me. It's maybe one of the most important things that I do and teach and believe in because I believe that conscious conception is really going to be kind of a foundational piece or it is a foundational piece in now in the world that we're moving into mm, that parents totally. and families all over the world 
it's really just natural for them to start to coordinate and to open communication with not only themselves and their bodies preconception. I think that's hugely, hugely important that, you know, I've heard so many things just about how we prepare so valiantly and with so much effort for so many other life transitions and that perhaps conception is, I think it's changing. I think it's changing, but maybe it's not one of those ones that we feel like we have to put a ton of energy or attention towards beforehand. But again, like I said, and I'm sure as you know, this is changing now, but that goes from the perspective of starting to just be conscious around like just physically what does my body need? What does my partner's body need? What do we need to look at before we're looking at bringing a child into this world? And then that also looks like opening up a connection and a communication with the soul of this energy, which I find in my work, these souls are like, they want it. They want it so bad. Mm -hmm. Like we've been mm -hmm. talking about before, mm -hmm. they're so alive. They're so animated. They're starting to take on these aspects of their life and personality and the family that they're coming into. And they're really I don't want to say desperate, but they're really eager for this communication with their parents. And so I do my best to educate parents as well. Like it is so important for you to feel connected to the soul of this child before they make their way here. And that that is a huge element to conscious conception. And it can also help with, in my opinion, ease of conception as well. That's yeah. what I've seen time and time again. And that also conscious conception looks like starting this process perhaps years in advance, five, 10, I mean, depending on how long ahead we're looking here, 15 years where people are thinking, I want to have a relationship with my children beforehand. Like for me, I already have a relationship with, because of what I know and what I teach and I practice what I preach. And so I already have a relationship with this soul, the soul of my first child. And it's one of my most cherished and most beautiful relationships, even though this soul's not physical yet and might not still be for another year or two, but it's so intimate and it's so beautiful and that I feel that I'm already getting information and there's already information available for me just in terms of, just so you know, before I come, these are certain things that you have to do in your work and you have to get this book out. This book is a big piece of what I need to do before she makes her way here. And she's made that very clear. So on the mission for this book, but also for her in a way, it's kind of dedicated to her and and being orchestrated and helped to be birthed by her in a certain way. Yeah. Let's pause there because to be birthed by her. Yeah. I know that that's terms we use all the time, but oh, I never mind. I won't distract it from the conversation. Continue. I know it's important because, and I use that language very intentionally because she showed me that I really believe that creative projects are alive. They're living entities. They have their own energy field. There's all different kinds of guides and teachers who want to help us kind of bring a creative project or some sort of offering or like an essay, like you said, like when you can just kind of like pop an essay yeah, out in like, yeah. you know, 30 seconds or whatever. That there's kind of these. Oh, come on, it was at least 30 minutes, Emily. I'm not that good. Jeez, these little minutes, fingers can know. only go so fast. <laughs> I'm teasing. But they can kind of help to bring something from ether into physical. They can help to birth that. I really believe that the creative process is very similar to the process of birth in some ways. And yeah, and so she said basically, I'm going to help you birth this book and bring this birth from ether into physical 
so that you know I can then make my transition following this book from ether into physical. So it was very specific. Yes, something else that like you kind of sparked in me was this little spirit of this baby is birthing you because you are stepping through this portal. I always say it's a spiritual transformation. Exactly. And if you're going from maid into motherhood, it doesn't matter how many babies you've had. You could have had 10 babies. You're still transforming. You're dying and being reborn on the other side of this. And that's why it is so scary and confronting for so many people. Yes. So it kind of flips that on its head. Like you're giving birth to the baby. Yes. Mm. The baby is also giving birth to you. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I haven't had that experience yet. I don't have children yet. But that is what I have been told time and time again. It is this initiation. It's a true initiation. The baby is birthed. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly as you said. Wow. So, And then last thing I'll say on conscious conception, to me, it's also looking at some of the things that maybe sometimes this can be hard for people to accept, but some of the things that maybe need to change in our world and our reality and how we're operating and different things that we're doing in order to really create this kind of landing pad for these souls to come in, this foundation for them to come in. So for a lot of people, I had actually this woman message me about this. I was talking about this on my social media platforms and I was talking about how they will often kind of help us to initiate a change in our world and in our career and different things. And for this woman, she was a therapist and she was trying to conceive her and her partner were trying to conceive. And she had had two miscarriages as she was still working as a therapist in this specific practice. What she was holding on to was, I want to stay as a therapist in this practice because I want to be able to have maternity leave and paid maternity leave and insurance and benefits and all of the perks that this job and this position offered her. And she said she got the message one day that the reason that this baby was still not here with her family is because she actually needed to depart the therapy position to begin her own practice that wouldn't include benefits, that wouldn't include a paid maternity leave necessarily, that wouldn't include insurance. But that was part of the mission. That was part of what this soul was trying to help this mother do. And so she left the therapy position and less than a month after she left, she conceived and she's actually now seven months-ish pregnant. And she started her own practice throughout this pregnancy and getting ready wow. to bring her child into this world. So you see what I mean? Yeah, totally. And when people start working with a doctor, a therapist, whatever else, we are all conditioned to see this as a physical process. Sperm, egg, meat, embryo implants, the uterus gets bigger, the baby gets bigger, a baby comes out nine, ten months later. But <laughs> when a person's having issues with conception, one of the first things I ask people is, who are you and what is your purpose? Mm -hmm. And, you know, ubiquitously, 100% of the time, people struggle with that question and Inch. the question of what archetype do you embody and which archetype do you wish to embody? They put a big question mark on the worksheet. And, you know, you and I both are familiar with Paul Check's work. You said your husband's a Czech practitioner. And one of Paul's big teachings, like, say what you want about Paul Check. He's the first person that really gave me the language to ask people about their one love. And if you're not on the path of doing the thing that your heart is calling you to do, that absolutely will show up in the physical. It shows up in all of those energetic bodies we've talked about, but it does show up in the physical. So if you only want to look at this as physical, fine. Yes. But if you're doing something that is not your purpose, it is absolutely going to impact how your body performs, how the baby feels safe and yes. seen and warm in your womb. Yes. Because like, if mom's not doing the thing she wants to do, like maybe it's not the right time for me to be there. Period. Yeah. Precisely. Totally. 
Absolutely. And in this particular woman's experience, like we're talking about subtle energetics here, like technically she was a therapist practicing therapy. She's still technically a therapist practicing therapy right now in her own practice. However, she's also incorporated energy healing, which is just like so exciting for her. And she's always wanted to do it, but she couldn't before within the confines of the organization that she was working within. So now she has her own practice and she's so in her purpose. She's so in her alignment and she's not feeling any fear around not making enough, you know, money and maternity leave and how that's all going to work out. She's just this, her and this soul have this beautiful back and forth communication of just like, I've got you, you know, I got you to this place for a reason. And the truly Nathan, like, I love that you bring it up because purpose and the why is so crucial. It's so crucial. And I see it as for both either partner, again and again and again, as a huge importance of conception and really assisting conception. So, Yeah. I'm working with a couple right now, so maybe we can just use them as an example. They've gone through all the intrauterine insemination. They've gone through that a couple times, which requires you to be jacked up with all these hormones. They are both very financially secure. They're both work but they've got plenty of money. I don't think that they would have to work as much as they are, but you know, it, it gives them something to do. And they have both expressed to me, like, I'm not really happy with my job, but like the getting's good. Let's just make money. We get our bank account padded because everybody thinks babies are super expensive. And yeah, they are, but you're not spending money on a lot of other things that you were before. It's not that expensive. You know, there are people around the world that raise perfectly healthy, very intelligent, you know, high achieving kiddos. Yeah who have very, 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 very little money. So we have this illusion of scarcity, which you know, through the lens of Ayurveda would be like a first and second chakra issue. But even in Maslow's hierarchy in the world of psychology, like we have this idea that we're, our bare minimum isn't even met. But how many of us are living in, what's the word? Not exuberance, but we're living in a state of excess, right? We have all of our stuff in four walls and siloed off in our house. And so as I'm talking to them, you know, it's like, are you guys calling in the spirit of this baby? I'm not so sure that they know really what that means. And I'm still working on them through this. What does it mean to call in the spirit of a baby? You know, they're not clairvoyant perhaps like you, but what can a couple do in order to start really start this communication? I know we talked about this a little bit, which was in the honing of the paying attention, but but what exercises can a couple do in order to really connect with one another and to really start their family before the baby's even in the womb? Yeah, such a good question. And I will say, I'll share this with you because I think this actually would be really great to share with your audience and with your community. I have a spirit baby connection guided meditation. It's about 20 minutes long. And I find just as a starting point, I'm going to get into some other things, but I find that for people who are like, what is this? How do I call in the spirit of this baby? A guided meditation is just a really nice place to start. It gives some context. It gives a container to explore a relationship. So I'm going to share that with you and your community. And then beyond that, you know, I know what you mean, where it's kind of like for people who are not familiar with that kind of terminology. Like, what does that mean? How do we do that? How do we do that as individuals? How do we do that together? It is, it really is. And so something that I have seen a lot of success with, and I offer this to my clients, is one of the ways that we are constantly kind of communicating with the universe and the universe is communicating with us is through signs and symbols. You know, there's signs and symbols in everything and everything that we do. So what I'll have them do 
it doesn't have to be like a whole song and dance necessarily. It's beautiful if they feel like going into a ceremony and sitting down together and sitting across from each other and maybe having some soft music playing. If that's all sounding a little, you know, for some people they're like, yeah, let's do it. And other people are like, we don't have time for that. And that's fine. If you have time for that, beautiful. That's a beautiful way to do it. And it can look like just some sort of simple intuitive invocation. So this can sound like thank you to the soul of our first child for coming to be in communication with us today. We love you so much. We cannot wait to meet you. We cannot wait to see who you get to be in this world. We cannot wait to help support you in your mission. We cannot wait to nurture the unique and individual being that you are. We're so happy to welcome you. Thank you. Thank you for making your way onto planet Earth very soon. That's like just a beautiful invocation that opens the space. Obviously, the person and the family can make that their own. And from there, that can look like, and then you could kind of go and flow into, we would love to open up this communication with you further. Can you communicate with myself or my partner in XYZ way? way that souls love to communicate is through dreams. So for a lot of people, that's very accessible for them just to say, tonight in my dreams or this week in my dreams, can you come and give me an experience of your energy? And again, sometimes it can take some time for that soul to kind of hear and receive and respond to that request. But 99% of the time when I give that exercise to people, the soul makes it happen and they come into the dream in some way. So that's one way that's kind of simple and accessible and you can have some fun with it. I love that already. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It, yeah. It's easy. And, and it allows us, like there is something about the dream world, right? Where people can kind of accept different experiences that maybe they wouldn't be able to accept or understand with their conscious or their waking mind. It's almost easier to let that integrate. So that's one way. And then another way that I recommend or that I have my clients do is ask for a sign or a symbol. So Actually, this story is my brother and sister-in-law. I was helping them in their conception journey. And so we kind of did this together. They mostly did it on their own, but I was sort of just there to assist. And they opened up this communication with the soul of their first child, who my sister-in-law is currently carrying, which is beautiful. We're all very excited. And so they decided with this soul that his communication, his sign or symbol that he was going to send to them to let them know that he was around was a blue butterfly. There was so many different amazing, amazing experiences that they had with the sign. So one time they were driving in the car together and this song came on the radio where this artist was like, it was like such a weird occurrence. It was this artist who was strictly singing about blue butterflies. It was like so strange, but this happens shortly after they said that, right? And then they were selling their house and looking to buy a new one. And they walked into their house, their current house. And in the kitchen, the wallpaper was actually, it's still there. It's, you know, it's not the prettiest wallpaper I've ever seen, but it's okay. The soul made it happen. And the sign that he gave was these big, kind of gaudy blue butterflies all over the wallpaper in their future kitchen. And so he really found all of these amazing ways to communicate his signs and symbols to this couple. And they got to have it as an experience together. So when they walked into the house, they looked at each other like, oh my God, there's these blue butterflies on this wallpaper right now. We asked for that. This is happening. You know, it was so amazing for them to have that experience together, so unifying. And it allowed them to feel so both connected, closely connected to the energy of their son who's on his way here and will be here sometime in November. So 
those are just some ways that a family, an individual, a couple can start to facilitate that communication that hopefully is simple and brings it down from the abstract a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Can you maybe tell, um, that was a beautiful story. Are there any other clients that come to mind that have maybe used a slightly, uh, maybe it was less of a, less symbology, but maybe it was more of a, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just a different client that had a slightly different story, just so people can sort of contrast how there's not a right answer here to this. Yes. And that's so important because like, that's a huge part of what I like to teach is that every communication is, is different and every soul is communicating differently. So I do have another one. This was with a woman who has a, her and her husband have a child already. Um, he is, I believe he's five or six. And when she had her pregnancy with her first son, she didn't have the, I guess, the easiest experience. She had preeclampsia and different things and her OBGYN, which I'm sure you'll, 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 you'll love this. Um, her OBGYN said, you will never carry another child. Your body is not meant to have pregnancy and you can't do it. And this is too dangerous for you and so on and so on and so on. And so she had her first son and was like, this is my only child. I'm not going to be able to have a future pregnancy. I didn't know any of this until after the fact. And when I was doing a reading for her, there was this little girl energy who showed up and was like, hey, I'm your you know, future daughter and went into some different details. And and then this woman told me, well, that's, I, I can't have children anymore. That's not possible for me. I was told it's not possible. It's too dangerous and X, Y, Z. And so then this soul went into this whole transmission about how that was not true. And, you know, you're whipping out data. Like, yeah. you got to see this. No, data. no. <laughs> Shake that off. That wasn't right. You know, all this oh kind of stuff. Gosh. But basically just said that was the projection of that professional. And the soul was here and was going to work with her to help her see that this could be a possibility and a reality with her, for her. So basically she left it as like, she'll come and she'll work with you. I'm going to kind of step back now. I'll leave it to you too. You can kind of take it away. And so this was about in 2020, beginning of 2020. From that point on, this woman basically went on this kind of health and wellness journey. She kind of overhauled her health and how she was caring for herself and different things. And she also started getting into meditation, which she hadn't necessarily been practicing before. And she started having these experiences in this meditation where the soul would come into her meditation. She would kind of see the soul visually, like the same little girl that I was talking to and kind of getting the same encouragement and basically fear busting from some of the energy that she had taken on from that experience. And so then basically she got the instructive from the soul, like you are going to try to conceive and it ended up being April, 2022. So just this year. And, and she was in her own meditative practice, yes, like getting this. whatever that was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. This is cool because she was like, I'm not someone who can meditate. I can't really get this information. But as she started just sort of slowly practicing every day, she would get a little bit more, a little bit more communication, a little bit more visual and this kind of thing. So she got this kind of instructive on the timeline and was able to conceive and is now having a very beautiful, beautiful pregnancy experience with everything looks great. And she's about sort of halfway there. So that's another example of just basically someone who through their connection and communication with the soul was able to actually kind of 
choose a different experience and choose a different reality than one that she had been given. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there you have it. You know, there's also a thread of which we won't, we don't have to get into today, but there's also a thread of that sort of whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And so when the doctors flippantly say things like, oh, you know, you probably can't have babies. Sorry. I think your ovaries are too old or eggs are wasting away. It's that question from your aunt Polly. That's like, when are you going to have babies? When are you going to have babies? When are you going to have babies? You actually start to believe like, oh my gosh, there's actually a clock somewhere that's ticking and everybody can hear it. But me, Yeah. again, it's distracting us yeah. Absolutely. from looking inward into really tapping into that. So, you know, for that particular woman you're talking about, she was taught she was conditioned to believe that she couldn't have babies. And that's also true if you believe that. Now, that's not to say that, hey, you're not trying hard enough. You're not tapping in hard enough. That's why you're not getting pregnant. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that we need to be a little bit more respectful and perhaps gentle with how we approach these things. Because what you say as a healthcare professional, especially like somebody like me, really matters. It really matters to people what you say and how you make a person feel. Because that's not necessarily the case. Even if statistically it's low, that does not mean you can't have babies. It just means, hey, we might need to do a little deeper digging. <laughs> and that's why people find me and we do quite an array of different things that your OBGYN will never do. That's not me shamelessly plugging myself. I think people know what my practice is. But I was finding that too many of my colleagues were saying things like that. And then this particular couple would be like, well, to hell with you. And they go off and like maybe have like an ayahuasca experience. And like we met a soul that is coming through. So take your white coat and beat it, buddy. <laughs> F you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. F you. Yeah. I'm having a baby. And yes. sure enough, they almost always do. It's just a matter of helping them rewire them in a way that they do believe that they can do it. Yes. So, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just like you said that that kind of belief really goes, like one of the things that I've kind of handled in a lot of these events is even just like you know, the concept of advanced maternal age and conception and things like this and eggs and all these kind of things. And of course, there are these actual reality and different factors that we're working with, but also just kind of giving this new model of empowerment to these women who I just had one of my clients who's just had her first child at 42. Amazing. And, you know, she just always held a vision. She was like, yeah, I'll be able to have a baby whenever the soul is ready and whenever my partner and I are ready. And she did. And it was really beautiful. So like you said, that woman that I previously referenced, she did. She said this. These are her own words. She said, I let that belief and I let that story that was projected onto me spread like wildfire. And I took it on as a piece of my identity. And basically through the communication with the soul, she was able to kind of shed that projection and come back to her truth. And she's so happy now. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Emily, you're so special. I'm really, really glad that I've gotten to know you. We'll chat about your roundtable here in a minute. I wanted to ask one final question. We've already really kind of gone into this, but I did want to make sure we checked everything off the list of the things that you and I had discussed pre-recording. Apart from what we've already said, are there any other considerations or spiritual blocks that might be an impediment to conception? Yeah, this is interesting. So I feel, and I think in my opinion and in my experience, that there is a different kind of, you know, this term infertility, there's, you know, some energy behind it. And it's kind of maybe a, I don't know, a 
buzzword right now. And that there's maybe a different in just what I have gotten is that there's perhaps a couple of different types of this. But there's like the physical kind of infertility experience, which is maybe there's something biologically happening there. But then there's also this kind of energetic experience or these energetic blocks to conception in my experience. And like you said, we have touched on quite a few of them, purpose and work and life's work and the alignment of that. And timing is a big one. It's bigger than we can even understand. I know it sounds like such a cliche. It's like, just wait for the right time. And I know that's like so frustrating for some families to hear of just like, it's just not the right time or just keep, you know, there's all these kind of platitudes that can be thrown around. But I also think the power of the timing and trusting in the power of the timing of this child's soul and that they really have this kind of super perspective on what's happening, which again, you can tap into for comfort and context as well. It's sort of like, what's happening there with you? What's going on? What is your timeline? Is there anything I need to know about your timeline? Is there a reason you haven't come yet? Do I need to do anything different? You know, again, it's just like coming into this dialogue and also being willing to make adjustments in your life surrounding what this soul is kind of giving to you as well. Timing is a big one. Harmony between partners can sometimes be one where if there's something that the partners need to kind of merge more deeply into before conception or kind of air out even or have some honesty around, this is huge. And I know it can be sometimes hard for people to hear because they're like, we're good. You know, everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. And I had this one couple that I was working with, the male counterpart and the relationship, he really had to, like, he wasn't even really subconsciously sure if he wanted children and they were trying to conceive. And he was kind of carrying around this, like, I don't even know if I want to do this. And I'm kind of freaked out. And am I even going to be able to be a father and all these kinds of things? And his partner was not aware of these fears and was not aware of these concerns. And as soon as he spoke those fears and concerns to her and was like, I'm a little freaked out. I don't know if I can do this. I'm feeling really nervous about XYZ. They were able to come deeper into honesty in their partnership. And she was able to just be like, Yeah, I get, it. I'm scared too. You know, like, yeah, yeah, let's get together on that fear. And shortly after, they were able to conceive once they got kind of on that same energetic page. So I see harmony between yeah. partners as being a big piece in terms of energetic blocks to conception. Ironically, another big one is environment and location. I've seen parents who are trying to conceive in really busy city centers with lots of, you know, distortion and density and different kind of frequencies being thrown around. And then they move into maybe a more rural environment and they're able to conceive shortly after that. So sometimes environment and location is one. I'm trying to think what else. Growth for either party, career, lessons, relationship. Yeah. I think I've hit a lot of them. Yeah, I think you have. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that deeply. I mean, one thing I can share from our personal story was, of course, when we start getting interest, you know, and in, uh, wanting to explore sexuality, we're 14, 15, probably even earlier than that, but we don't really know what that means. But then when you start looking at, for me, looking at women, and I was like, oh, wow, I wonder what having sex is like. You, know, you start thinking about that, and then you show up in your health class, and you're told, hey, if you get close to a woman with an erect penis, you're going to get them pregnant. So we sort of avoid this altogether, and then suddenly, bam, now 
we're going to get together and we're going to have a baby. Like that's a pretty confronting thing. And so when we started, quote, trying, I don't even really like that term because if you're having sex, you're not not trying. You just don't know what the spirit of this baby's going to say, yep, now's the time, like condom breaks, whatever. I mean, like there's a lot out of your control here. People are like, oh, we need to get better condoms. Like, is it possible that something else was at play here, <laughs> that this baby just needed totally. a way to come through? Yes. Um, but, you know, we didn't get pregnant right away. And when I mean right away, like three or four months, and I was like, what on earth? And I was like an OBGYN at the time. Like we, I was super early on. Like I had all of this other conceptions. I was still like, you know, sperm meets an egg and a baby grows. You know, it's that's all there is to it. And so my wife eventually was like, you know, she could tell I was getting frustrated. And we had just gotten back from Burning Man. And she was like, you know, I get the sense that like you think that life is just going to be the same way it's always been. Where I was like a really heavy, I was like really into rock climbing I was an Ironman distance triathlete before med school. So like I've always had this sort of extreme approach to anything. Like I want to go head first in and spend two hours a day doing this thing after work. And like I had infinite amounts of energy and we just come back from Burning Man. It was like, if we have kids, they're going to be in our orbit. Like we're in charge. They're just going to be buddying along. And she, I think, was really confronted by that. And she was like, Nathan, I need you to say out loud, things are going to change when we have kids. And I had a hard time doing it. I was like, no, I mean, yeah, they'll change. She's like, say it out loud because I don't feel good about the fact that you don't realize, like you're the smartest person I know and you don't realize that our life is going to change. Our, our, our marriage is going to change. Our romance is going to change. Everything is going to change. And so I said it out loud somewhat, not begrudgingly, but it was like, ugh, I didn't realize that I'm having a hard time saying this. And once I did, of course, two months after that, my wife was also like, why don't you stop worrying about this? And I'll just tell you when it's time. And then bam, <laughs> we got pregnant. Yes. So whether or not it was using some adequate, you know, cervical mucus tracking, or if it was a combination yeah. of that with About me aligning myself energetically. Yeah. When um, you were saying all this, I was, I think back to all these worksheets I have my fertility clients do. And the big three questions are, what do you need for the baby to be ready to come in? What does your partner need? And what does the baby need to feel ready? And when you compare their answers, you oftentimes see that big contrast that I just described between me and my wife, where the man's always like, financial stability. You know, I want my wife to feel uh, like we have enough resources or, you know, it's always the same kind of thing from like our conditioned sort of wounded masculine. And the woman is like, I need to feel like I can be open hearted and have time to love this baby. And I want to spend every moment in this and that. And it's like, whoa, you guys are in two different places. But once you get them talking about that, we resolve some of those spiritual blockades. Absolutely. It sounds oh. so simple, but it's actually very hard. So it's hard. very hard work. But very powerful. And it really, I love that you brought that up because it is like, I do see that. I use that one example of kind of the masculine, like outing his fear and then the feminine was able to come in and they were able to like get together. But even just like the simplicity of us kind of outing or saying or embracing or accepting different things, like in your experience, maybe this is going to change. I mean, it can be so powerful in the energetic of just supporting that soul. Sometimes that's all they need to hear. And that's really how they're kind of already helping to help us facilitate a change, right? Where it's kind of like, okay, good. You know, he just got that lesson around change, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like how my reality is going to shift. Yeah. Or this other partner got the lesson around, like, it's okay to be scared. Like, that's fine. And then that creates just a, a really clean kind of energetic to support conception. Yeah. Amazing. So cool.
Well, Emily, we have gone for well over an hour here. I appreciate you so much because you and I are also going to see each other a little bit later yes, today. We are. By the time this episode airs, I think it's going to be November. Yeah. But do you want to talk about some things? Sure. Is there something you want to promote or maybe your book's coming out soon? Where can people find you, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Yes. So I hang out on Instagram. I'm at Emily the Medium. I do these events every couple months, usually every three months. So I have one coming up in August. I'll have probably another one in October, maybe another one in December. Every three months, usually I do it called Superconscious Conception, which I said, which are just these really beautiful group kind of healing events where women and men, I've had a couple men come too, which is always super fun. I had this one man come to my event and I did a little guided meditation and he messaged me after like, oh my God, I've never had such a powerful meditation experience. Like that was crazy. He had a really beautiful experience with the soul of his child. So that was really cool. And it's just really a chance to get a room filled with these people on the planet who are either trying to conceive, are currently pregnant, or you know want to conceive in the future, maybe in the far future, and just get this kind of group energy field of different things that these spirit babies want to say, different little piece of information that I picked up. I do some energy healing. We do some Q&A. So it's a really fun, beautiful time. So those are called Superconscious Conception. That's one of the things that I'm doing. And then as we know, I'm writing this book, which is a labor of love, and it's taking me much longer than I thought it was going to take. There's just so many facets and so many areas that I want to cover. So that should be out. I'm hoping early 2023. So stay tuned for that. Can you send me a copy? Yes, absolutely. You bet. Thank you. Yes. I'd love to be able to promote it and support you in any way that I can. Yes, thank you. I have a feeling it's going to be one of those like top five books that I need people to read oh, if they're starting to talk about building their family. Cause I know I love you already. So, oh, that means um, so much. we're going to get your work out there. Yay, <laughs> thank you. So that should be yeah. out early 2023. And then other than that, I usually kind of update on social media platforms. If I have other things going on, we've got this cool little round table discussion we're doing tonight, which I'm super excited for. And this is sort of half a research project for my book and half just a cool chance to get a bunch of amazing people in a little discussion together and jam on all different kinds of topics that we're talking about here, like birth yeah. and conception and pregnancy and postpartum yeah. and all these kinds of beautiful yeah. things. So maybe we'll do another one in the future. We'll see. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Amazing, Emily. Well, thank you so much. I'll see you thank a little you. bit later for yeah. your roundtable. Thank you. Stay in touch. I've already got a couple clients I'm going to be sending your way. So Thank you. In fact, thank- as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to send them your way. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. I just want to say, Nathan, thank you so much for having me on this beautiful podcast. It's such a gorgeous offering to the world at this time. I really think all of the content and everything you curate on this platform is so incredible in all of the different areas that you cover. It's really beautiful, and I'm honored to have a spot here. So thank you. Coveted spot. Yeah, a spot. I wrote out the red carpet for you. You just can't <laughs> see it. You. It's down here and my dog's laying on it. But thank you so much, Emily. We'll send everybody your way. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you very soon. Sounds good. Take care. Well, I told you that Emily was not going to disappoint. If you'd like to work with Emily, if you're on this fertility journey and you want to connect with the spirit of your baby, and by the way, If you haven't heard my interview with Edith Ubuntu-Chan, she talks about how her son speaks from the lens of being a baby in the spirit world, waiting for the right time to come into his mother's womb, for his mom and dad to welcome him into the space. 
there is a lot of people with experience in this. Emily is just the one who it provides this validating language for what other women have experienced, including me connecting with our own baby in the womb prior to birth. This is real stuff. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But at least it should make us think about what are the spiritual implications of conception, birth, death, everything in between. I think Emily is such an incredible woman. If you want to try to connect with her, go to Instagram, find her at Emily the Medium. And on her link tree, you'll see that you can jump on a call with her. You can hire her for support. She does have a wait list at present. It's possible that I could lubricate those wheels a little bit and get you in to be seen sooner if you're one of my clients, but no promises there. Emily is just very, very gracious with her time, and I imagine that doing the work that she does takes a lot out of her. And so I feel very honored that she was able to give some of her time to me today. So Emily, thank you. Guys, go check out Emily's work. You're not going to regret it. Of course, another thing I've said here is medical advice. This is education. This is entertainment. And I hope that you're liking it. You're, you're liking what we're putting out there. If you want to support the show, the best way is to, is to get these episodes to the people you love in your life. Share it on Instagram. Tag me. It's Nathan Riley OBGYN if you can. Get this out to your people. These conversations are so critical in order to uphold a better model of care for women, especially in the United States, but really worldwide. Share the episode. If you haven't left a review, go to iTunes or Spotify. Leave a five-star review. You wouldn't believe how much the algorithm actually really cares about the number of five-star reviews. It seems like the most dumbass thing in the world, but this is actually how it works. So go and please take the 15 seconds to leave a little click on those five stars. Make sure other people can find my show and my, these conversations. And then lastly, of course, if you want to support the show, you can go and support our sponsors. We've got four for this episode, birthfit.com is offering one month off of their B community where you can meet other women, engage with world-renowned speakers within this community. You're not going to regret it. And the code BELOVED will get you one month off your subscription to the B community. This show is also brought to you by Fullwell, the best prenatal vitamins on the market, the only men's virility vitamins I recommend, fish oil, their Nourish Nerves Tonic. They've got an incredible product assortment, product lineup. And I recommend this product wholeheartedly to everybody as an insurance plan to make sure you're getting optimal nutrition before, during, and after pregnancy. You can go to fullwellfertility.com, use code BELOVED10, and you'll save 10% on your purchase. This episode is also brought to you by Organifi. At Organifi.com slash beloved, you can try their pumpkin spice latte. It's loaded with antioxidant-rich superfoods, functional mushrooms, turmeric, with you know, which is packed with curcumin. These are all well-known foods in order to help keep us on the path uh, to, to our optimal, most vital life. Go to Organifi.com slash beloved. You can try out their pumpkin spice latte. I also recommend their red and green juice. And as winter comes, you're also going to be able to try out their gold chocolate latte, which is their special Christmas treat. And man, their products are so delicious. So check that out. Use code BELOVED and you'll save 20% on your purchase. And then last but not least, buy optimizers. For a limited time at the end of the month of November, from the 21st through the 29th, you can save 20% on anything in their shop. I recommend their Masszymes, their blood sugar breakthrough, their magnesium breakthrough. Go to buyoptimizers.com slash holistic and you'll save 25%. In the meantime, outside of that window, you can use code BELOVED10 and still save 10% on anything from the Baptomize store. You're not going to regret it. Wade Lightheart has put together an incredible product line there. All right, I've said enough. As I mentioned, nothing I've said here is medical advice. If you want medical advice, you can find me at BelovedHolistics.com. I am still accepting private clients, although I'm really preferring to work with people that buy a package of time versus one-off consultations. But reach out to me. We'll make something work. 
I still am accepting collaborators, midwives, coaches, check professionals, you name it. If the care that you're providing to your clients or to your patients would benefit from having a frequent consultation with an MD or if you need prescriptive authority agreements, supervising physician, you know, agreements, these types of things signed, I'm willing to be licensed in your state. I'm already licensed in many states. Just reach out to me at belovedholistics.com and we will get started on that path. So many midwives are already taking advantage of it. And I have to tell you, it is the greatest way for me to be able to spend my time because I'm still staying relevant within the birth space, but I'm not on call working in a hospital, cleaning up the messes that my colleagues have made. (laughs) That's not how I want to spend my time. Instead, I get to actually uphold the midwifery care model through the lens of traditional midwifery. And that is a slam dunk, amazing way to spend my time. So you can find everything that I do at belovedholistics.com. I thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. It means so much to me that you made it this far. I'll see you guys in one week back here on the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.